mornings. I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Fair Board President Jeff Cole offers an update on planning progress for the 2021 Hancock County Fair, and the Independence Day fireworks are back. Also this morning, the Red Cross says there is a severe nationwide blood shortage as Americans become more active again, putting additional strain on what was already a fragile condition. First Solar Energy recently announced another multi-million dollar expansion in Northwest Ohio, further expanding clean energy job opportunities in the state, something the trade group Environmental Entrepreneurs says is likely to continue. And gaming became an even bigger industry than ever in 2020, so what do they have up their sleeves next? This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, June 17th, 2021. Today is Global Garbage Man Day, which may not strike you as something, you know, uh, deeply important to celebrate, but think about where we would be without them. So, Global Garbage Man Day. I suppose we should say Global Garbage Person Day. Garbage Collector Day. There you go. Global Garbage, because Garbage Person, that sounds like an insult. But a global garbage collector day, uh, so as not to be sexist. But uh, where would we be without them? So thank you very much. National Apple Strudel Day, where would we be without that? National Career Nursing Assistance Day, big shout out to the nursing assistants of the world, especially over the past 12 to 18 months. National Eat Your Vegetables Day, yesterday was Fresh Veggies Day. And we were talking about how <laughs> Fresh Veggies Day, and all the kids rolling their eyes. Oh, I mean, I got to eat my veggies today. Well, here we go again. <laughs> National Eat Your Vegetables Day. It's a little bit more direct this time. World Croc Day today, um, in honor of the reptile, not the shoe. And it is Recess at Work Day. Well, if you need a reason to celebrate, look no further there. Recess at work day today. Uh, so speaking of working issues, this was uh, this was something that you remember back in the beginning of the pandemic or a few months in when we were starting to adjust to all of the changes brought about by the pandemic. And we started to wonder how many of these changes will be permanent. And there was this. Um, general consensus, the belief was, that remote work might become the new norm. Well, it is looking less and less likely that that will be the case. Uh, and here's a, a new, another example, just the latest example, and there are plenty others. Uh, new York City employees of Morgan Stanley, one of Wall Street's top investment banks, are being told that they need to be back in their offices by the end of the summer. Uh, with people continuing to get vaccinated, things more and more returning to normal. New York just lifted all of their restrictions. Morgan Stanley CEO James Gorman said at an investor confidence, uh, an investor conference earlier this week, if you can go to a restaurant in New York City, you can come to the office. So it sounds like they were laying down the law that there will not be uh, this long-term remote work option at least at Morgan Stanley, a lot of other uh, Wall Street firms, big business firms in the big cities are taking a similar stance. So what we may at one point have thought 
might be the norm moving forward may not be after all. Uh, Mr. Corbin said that uh, many employees have already slowly started to return to the company's Manhattan headquarters at least a couple of days a week. But once that summer is over, most of them will have to be coming into the office more regularly. They're going to lay down the law. He said, by Labor Day, I will be very disappointed if people haven't found their way into the office. And then we'll have a different kind of conversation. <laughs> that sounds like a boss laying down the law right there. That sounds like a very thinly veiled threat. Or else we'll have a different kind of conversation. He also added that workers can't expect to get their New York salaries if they continue to work remotely. He said, none of this, we will have none of this I'm working in Colorado and getting paid like I'm sitting in the Big Apple. So that's the other side of this. And I'm, boy, I don't, I understand where the uh, businesses are coming from, but I'm not sure that, uh, I'm not sure that I like that idea. I mean, if you are worth X amount of money, I don't know what they pay uh, people in Manhattan at, uh, at Morgan Stanley. I'm sure it's quite a bit. And part of that is because it's New York City. But if you're worth that amount of money, then you're worth that amount of money, regardless of where you're you're working, aren't you? I I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a tough one there. But uh, if my if my work is worth a hundred thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars, if I'm doing the same work somewhere else, would it not also be worth two hundred thousand dollars there? I understand cost of living and all that, but the, the value of the work is the value of the work. But I, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's I'm not in that uh, big business, but uh, in any event, people across the U.S. starting to take their masks off as uh, mandates are slowly relaxed. But this is one of the other questions that over the course of the past year. We've uh, had debated and discussed, and I know my wife and I have talked about this. Will mask wearing become more common, uh, especially during the cold weather months when you typically see the spread of cold and flu? Um, Infectious disease doctors say the return of facial freedom could also come with a downside like the resurgence in cases of the common cold and the flu. I mean, forget COVID-19. All of the precautions that we took last year to prevent the coronavirus also basically eliminated the common cold and flu. I mean, reported cases of that were way down as well. A study that the CDC published in September showed a 98% decrease in flu activity during the first months of the pandemic. Um... So, and it's not just masks, a combination of that, people working largely from home, social distancing, all of those measures that have been put more hand sanitizing, you know, and, and uh, things like that. People are very cognizant of not spreading the coronavirus. We're not spreading other things as well. And so the big question is, will you, and they saw this in, in Asia uh, after the big SARS outbreak Uh, People over there were forced to wear masks, and it just became commonplace. And now you go, 
uh, over to Asia or you see images from Asia in the wintertime when it's cold and flu season, people wearing them all the time just as a matter uh, of routine. So will we see more of that? That remains to be seen. But uh, I know my wife just said the other day, uh, she was talking with a friend and said, you know, this mask thing, I, she said, I have never had a winter season where I've felt better because didn't get a cold, didn't get a flu, didn't get any of that. So anyway, uh, more evidence that uh, that had a wider benefit than just preventing COVID-19. We mentioned this yesterday, I believe, on the uh, program, just kind of in passing, and uh, more details on this, more numbers. As the uh, world slowly reopens, Americans are slowing down on consuming streaming content. You know, that was one of the other things that we saw over the past year is this huge spike in people binge-watching stuff in their streaming services. And now, the media research company Omdia says that you the user base for advertising-based video-on-demand services has fallen by 10% over the past six months. And for the first time since 2019, the average number of streaming services that people in the U.S., use regularly has dropped from a high of 7.23 in November of last year to 7.06 in April of this year. Uh, Channel penetration has also dropped from 93% to 83%. Now, paid subscriptions, services like Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, they remain stable. And uh, Amdia says... This is expected as Americans get used to various streaming offerings available. They say we are starting to see the anticipated streaming services fatigue in the U.S. So far, paid subscription services have not seen this, but at some point we will reach critical mass in the number of streaming services that will be able to survive. So... We may have reached that point. Seven appears to be the magic number of streaming services that most Americans will use on a daily basis. So kind of do your count in the head in your head. How many do you normally go to? And I would say probably for my wife and I, it's you know, one, two, three, four, maybe. Uh, we watch less TV, I guess, than, than some others, but uh, kind of interesting. And, uh, oh, it looks like the murder hornets are back. Because you always have to have something to worry about. This is today's alert. Be afraid. Be very afraid. The murder hornets are back. Officials of the Washington Department of Agriculture say a dead Asian giant hornet was found near Marysville, uh, Washington, which is about 30 miles north of Seattle. Officials say it was dead, very dried out, and had a different color than previous hornets that were found in Canada and Washington State last year. It has been sent to the U.S. Department of Agriculture for verification. They don't know whether the hornet is fresh or maybe it died in the previous season last year uh, due to its condition. They don't know. So apparently they're going to do a hornet autopsy and find out. But... uh, There is great concern because the Asian giant hornets can destroy a honeybee colony in about 15 minutes. We need honeybees, so that would be a very bad thing. And, of course, you know, there's the whole murder hornet thing. Anyway, but they are back, apparently. We'll keep an eye on that uh, 
Keep an eye on that story. So there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy, some of the most important things you need to know to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast. Mostly sunny today with a high of 84. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 65. The American Red Cross is making an emergency appeal for blood donors to help remedy a nationwide blood shortage. And especially we need type O, type O positive and type O negative. Uh, In some areas, we're down to less than half a day's supply at times of type O blood. That's Todd James, executive director of the American Red Cross of North Central Ohio in Findlay. He's urging people to go to redcrossblood.org to find the nearest blood drive. Blood is not something that you can keep on the shelves. It is a very perishable, short-term product. And we have that link and more details on the blood shortage on our website. A recently retired Hancock County Sheriff's deputy has passed away. The Sheriff's Office says Michael McGuire died on Sunday. The 59-year-old put in 34 years of service to the Hancock County Sheriff's Office. The Sheriff's Office says McGuire had a big impact on everybody around him and will be greatly missed. His funeral will be held today in Findlay and he'll be laid to rest at Macomb Union Cemetery. Lawmakers in the GOP-controlled Ohio House have expelled former Speaker Larry Householder. Householder leaves the chamber under a cloud of a federal indictment related to the state's largest ever bribery scheme, a $60 million plot that was aimed at placing Householder in the speaker position to ensure the passage of a nuclear bailout bill. Householder has maintained his innocence throughout the process. Current Speaker Bob Cup had urged Householder to resign and was vocal in his support of the resolution that has successfully expelled Householder from the House. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. Some police canines stopped by Camp 911 and put on a demonstration for the kids. Canines Sonny and Charlie with the Hancock County Sheriff's Office and Deke with Findlay PD showed the kids how they apprehend suspects and use their noses to find things. Afterwards, the kids got to meet Charlie and Sonny. And we have video and pictures of the canines in action on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. By the way, I need to send a very special shout out to my very good friend, very close friend, Suzanne Ward of Findlay. Uh, My wife and I were just saying the other day, sitting around saying, gee, I wonder how Suzanne is. And we were on vacation uh, earlier this week uh, thinking, man, the only thing that would make this better if... Suzanne could be with us. Well, I'm sorry, I'm being told in my ear, but Suzanne was the latest Vaximillion winner. Wow, what what a coincidence. How would you, how about that? So I'll definitely have to uh, reach out to Suzanne and say hello uh, later today. (laughs) Jeff Cole is with us uh, in the uh, studio this morning. Our cover story, uh, an update on uh, planning progress for the 2021 Hancock County Fair. Uh, Jeff, of course, fair board president. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before we went on the air, Jeff. You said it was really nice to see life again at the Hancock County Fairgrounds. Well, that's right, Chris. But before we start with that, you know, the last time we talked, I said I wanted to come into your luxury suite here. (laughs) And uh, I am not disappointed at all. It is a beautiful day. The the day is beautiful. The view is beautiful. And that command chair that you've got looks like something... (laughs) You stole from Captain Kirk and the USS Enterprise or something. It is very nice. It is <laughs> yeah, very nice. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but it is good um, to see life at the fairgrounds again. Uh, you know, we had a great May. 
with all of the uh, perennial events that we have there. Yeah. The craft show was back. The military show was back. Probably had as mm-hmm. good a better show than they've ever had. Right. And we kicked off the flea market, which is a new event that we've got going on in May. So uh, we had uh, something going on every week, and there was a even a, a, um, a cattle show that came in in late May. So we had wow. something going on every weekend except for Mother's Day weekend. So everybody stayed home with their mothers then. But uh, we've been busy there at the fairgrounds. It's it, been great. It definitely is a, a good sign. And uh, the Independence Day fireworks are, are back. So folks excited about that? Yes, they are. And, uh, you know, that's going to take place on July 3rd, which is a Saturday for what it's worth. And we hope we don't need it. The rain day will be uh, July 5th. Uh, but we are bringing back the fireworks. We're excited about that after a year off from that for mm-hmm. the pandemic. And I uh, want to say thanks to uh, the city of Finley and the Alliance and uh, Visit Finley um, for the, the Convention and Visitors Bureau for helping us put that together. It's been a partnership work uh, the last several years in putting that together. And we're very excited to be working with them. And uh, that's going to kick off 4 o'clock on uh, Saturday. I was going to say, traditionally, the uh, fireworks uh, has been more than just the fireworks uh, in the evening. It's been an all-day event, and uh, many of those same familiar uh, happenings are back. Many of them are back, but not all of them. Uh, And so let me just start with what you won't see this year, which is uh, we will not have uh, big carnival rides and games. Okay, Uh, That did not work out for us this year, Our, our, our a provider of that in the last couple of years good for them we're able to uh, get another gig uh, and uh, so uh, they, they aren't available but we hope to have a few kitty rides pony rides uh, all your favorite food vendors will be there and a few new ones to try so uh, try to make sure that you get there they'll start serving around four o'clock we have a live concert that starts at eight o'clock with a local band the cherry bombs and uh, we're excited about that. They do 70s, 80s, 90s pop and country covers. Uh, and the talent stage is uh, sponsored by Meyer, so we're really appreciative of Meyer for sponsoring that. Oh, terrific. Make your plans uh, July 3rd at the uh, Old Millstream Fairgrounds for the Independence Day fireworks tradition back for 2021. And then, of course, uh, I know the planning has already been in the works for a number of weeks now in the 2021 Hancock County Fair. You were on this program uh, sometime back at announcing that it would be happening this year and uh, there are here again uh, a few changes things uh, things that will be updated for 2021 after uh, taking the year off uh, last year yeah before i start with that though i would just like to follow up and say that the fireworks will start about 10 o'clock that's the scheduled time for the fireworks to go off and we've uh, and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention our sponsors of fireworks which are ball metal ohio logistics one Energy and Whirlpool. But yes, on to the county fair. Uh, September 1st through the 6th. Um, right now, as far as we know, all the restrictions are lifted. So we are planning a full-blown, wide-open fair, uh, much like you've uh, seen in 2019, 2018, and those before. Mm-hmm. Uh, most all of your favorite uh, entertainment events will be there. So uh, livestock shows, tractor pull, uh, horse pull, uh, harness racing, all those things, and all those uh, uh, exhibits in the merchants' buildings and the uh, Grange building and, and 4-H building, they'll all be there as well. F- uh, full midway uh, as well for the we, fair? 
absolutely are expecting a full midway. Uh, we uh, had been planning that we thought we might be able to have a reduced midway earlier in the year, but right now we're planning on having uh, the normal midway, midway that you'd be accustomed to. And uh, a good, especially uh, given, as you were mentioning, uh, with the Independence Day, uh, the uh, uh, ride provider uh, was unavailable, so it's good to have uh, everything back uh, for the for the fair. Well, yeah, so many of our fairgoers really enjoy the carnival, obviously, right. and it brings an energy to the fair, and uh, the kids enjoy the time down there, and adults too, young young kids and old kids alike, <laughs> right. all like that down there. So, yeah, that'll be there as well. Um, now, I, some of the changes. I was looking at the uh, website, uh, which kind of details uh, some of the uh, changes uh, this year that I thought were kind of interesting. Going to uh, electronic ticketing this year for the fair. We are going to electronic ticketing, and that is a big change. And uh, and I know there are a lot of folks who maybe aren't overly comfortable with that. But um, but yeah, we're going to go to electronic ticketing. We're going to have an online ticket uh, website that'll be up in the next uh, week or ten days. So be looking for that announcement on our uh, webpage and social media and so forth so that you can see that link. You'll be able to go and buy your tickets pre-sale, um, and um, you won't have to come into the fair office to do that. You'll, you'll be able to get your tickets even before you get to the gate. So that will be convenient for a lot of folks. Will, Absolutely. Will those tickets still be available in person for those who can't or prefer not to go online? So you, you, can, uh, you can certainly buy tickets all the way up until fair, and uh, you can buy your tickets online while you're standing at the gate if it comes to that from your from your hmm. smartphones um, one of the changes that this will mean is that we will have we will likely limit which gates you can do a cash transaction at so okay. uh, we're still working on the details of which those gates will be uh, so watch for uh, announcements that come out as we get closer to the fair as to for those of you who still really need to do a cash transaction uh, we may have to direct you to a particular gate to be able to do that now uh as you mentioned, this is going to be a full fair, which means uh, open class uh, is back. I know last year uh, it was uh, the only things that really happened were the junior fair judgings and 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 so on. So open class is back, uh, entries uh, and so on. What is what is the information? What is the timeline uh, with respect to that? Well, we usually do uh, entries open up the first of August, okay. and uh, there's a couple of weeks there in which you can do that. Again, that's all online, so I know y'all can do that stuff online because you've been doing that now for several years <laughs> online doing your entries so i'm sure you can buy your tickets online as well but uh, we'll get that information out uh, and watch our website for that as well okay so uh, everything uh, is back up and running and what has what has this been like in terms of the the past several weeks putting all of this together i know most years one year to the next it's just a matter of you know, re-signing all of the uh, deals with the people who have been here before and kind of working from the year before. But having taken a year off, uh, describe that that process and that reboot and how that's been different planning for this year's fair than in years past. Well, I'll tell you, it's actually with the uh, lifting of the restrictions, it's made it a lot easier for us, sure. right? Because we've been able to use our muscle memory to just do it the way that we have in the past <laughs> years. And everybody kind of falls into their roles and things get done. Uh, but uh, while there was some anticipation about what we may or may not be able to do, uh, we were working with our uh, acts and attractions and uh, providers at that time as well. And we were signing those contracts and uh, we, we were adding to our 
contracts the uh, ability to make the changes that we needed to uh, re regarding what kind of restrictions might be in place by the time we got here. So uh, actually, uh, again, the, the lifting of the restrictions uh, has made it easier for us because we're not having to figure out how we're going to pull some of these things off mm -hmm. on limited capacities and social distancing and so forth. So. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of back to normal from an operational perspective uh, in how we're taking on this activity. And a huge shout out to all of those who supported the Ag Agricultural Society uh, through the past year, because I know uh, there were a lot of questions with respect to uh, income lost, revenue lost. Uh, being that the fairgrounds was shut not, shut down, not just the loss of the fair itself, but all of the other activities that happen at the fairgrounds. That's right. We've had a lot of support from the community, from uh, corporate sponsors, and uh, from our membership, our Ag Society membership, and our friends of the fair uh, all have, have helped us out uh, to make sure that we're still here, still viable, and be able to have a, a, a great county fair here this year at the Labor Day weekend. So we're looking forward to it. Again, progress uh, continues on planning for the 2021 Hancock County Fair. And let's not forget, the Independence Day fireworks are back here in just a couple of weeks, July 3rd, uh, happening all day uh, over at the uh, fairgrounds as well. Fair Board President Jeff Cole with us this morning. Jeff, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Chris. Todd James is uh, here from the uh, North Central Chapter, North Central Ohio Chapter of the American Red Cross. Uh, there is a severe nationwide blood shortage as Americans become more active again. And uh, Todd, it seems as though this post-pandemic reboot has uh, put additional strain on what was already a very fragile condition. Uh, you know, the blood uh, supply uh, issues are certainly nothing new. Very, very much so. And this is one of those perfect storm kind of situations, I guess you'd put it. Yeah. Um, you know, with the conditions we've been under with the pandemic for the last year and a half or so, uh, especially early on and through the majority of the time that, that we've been dealing with the pandemic, folks, a lot of people who have ongoing conditions, diseases and medical conditions that require treatment, deferred that treatment, uh, mm -hmm. you know, out of precaution, out of fear. You yeah. know, they didn't want to go to the hospital, see the doctor. Mm -hmm. um, so now that we are starting a return to pre-pandemic conditions, they're going in and seeking treatment and their condition has progressed. And so the need for blood in those cases has really risen. We've also seen an unusually high number of trauma and emergency room needs for blood over the last uh, few months. Again, as people become more as active. people become more active, right. especially coming out of the lockdowns. You know, what's interesting is when all of this started, I remember talking to you know, all of the blood drives that had to be canceled, yeah. and there was some concern, but it was sort of counterbalanced by the fact that people were not out, people were not, uh, as you mentioned, they were putting off elective surgeries yep. in many cases. Uh, obviously, they were not traveling last year, so we didn't see the uh, increase in uh, accident needs and you know that kind of thing uh, that you normally see in the summertime. So it, it kind of balanced that out. Now uh, you've got this whole the whole apple cart has been upset. You know, in, in the last three months, we have distributed seventy five thousand more blood products to hospitals than we were expected to mm -hmm. during that period. What happened? Happens 
if that that blood supply is not there. I mean, you know, the, this is the other thing. Blood is what it is. There is no artificial, which almost seems kind of strange with today's the modern miracles that medicine can provide for us, that there is no artificial substitute, uh, even in an emergency situation, for blood. So what happens if the blood is not available. Well, I mean, one of the things that, you know, the, the Red Cross tries to make sure is, and as part of a national organization, we're part of the blood banking industry. So there are other organizations out there, and we work hand-in-hand hand with them to make sure that, you know, blood is where it is needed, when it is needed, especially in emergency situations. Mm-hmm. A lot of what you're seeing with the blood supply, uh, supply shortage now is a lot of elected uh, surgeries are being put off treatments that you know can be put off are being put off so the blood is there for the emergency needs and as you mentioned uh, these are already elective procedures that in many cases have been put off for a year or more already now being delayed again there's going to reach a point where some of those are not going to be elective anymore you know we 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 need every type of blood we especially have a shortage and a need for typo both typo positive typo negative uh both are used uh and very extensively in hospitals hospitals uh especially in the the trauma and the emergency rooms we're talking about whole blood mm-hmm. um but you know we've talked before we, when we collect a unit of blood from somebody it's not just the blood we actually you know split it up into different parts Break that down. uh and the plasma which is used like for burn treatments and such uh, and platelets platelets are something um you know before the whole situation arose here with the blood emergency and we're talking a lot about it uh we've been talking through the month of june because we're once again this year partnering with the American Cancer Society to get the word out mm-hmm. uh, about giving blood to give time because half of the platelets we collect go to cancer treatments. Uh, and that's a very perishable product. Platelets only last like five days. So they're transplanted almost immediately after being collected. Um, and not just in cancer treatments, but as you know, half of the platelets we collect are used in cancer treatment. So by giving blood and giving platelets, you know, we're helping, and we've all been touched by cancer in our families. Right, uh, and and even uh, whole blood. I mean, yeah. blood in general is a very perishable yeah. uh, item as well. Uh, it's uh, not quite as perishable as the milk in your refrigerator, but, <laughs> but it's close. the same same yeah. concept. If you don't use it... Uh, yeah, you can't stockpile it. You can't, right. hey, let's freeze it, put it in the freezer. It doesn't mm-hmm. last that long. It's about 42 days, if I remember right, from my, my Blood 101 way back when, mm-hmm. uh, a shelf life. And then, you know, that's from the moment we... We, we do the draw. It got to go to the lab. You know, it's in the lab for a couple of days. We're testing to make sure the blood is All safe. All that time and it gets counts. Transported. So there, there's never, as you said, you know, we started talking. There's never a day in the Red Cross when we look at our inventory and go, it got enough blood today. Let's just take the day off. That right. never happens. Right. I mean, it's always day to day anyway. With respect to that, uh, are the blood drives back up to where they were pre-pandemic levels? No, we are still, uh, you know, we're still looking for places where we can hold the larger community drives. You okay. know, we're still maintaining strict safety protocols. We're not requiring masks for donors that have been fully vaccinated, but we still want to make sure we can offer social distancing, um, still doing the cleaning. We're still asking everyone to make an appointment so we you know can stagger and, and we don't have a whole lot of people gathered in the waiting area at mm-hmm. one time um so we're, we're still the schedule is is uh fluid in that way i guess is how i would put it um donors also as normal this you know it's different from last summer but the normal pattern we see this summer is what we are we're seeing the normal pattern this summer which is donations are going down because it's summer 
people are traveling, schools Which, are out. Yeah, you know. and we've talked about that being a double whammy in the in the past that people are less likely to give and more likely to need yeah. because the accidents go up and and so on. Trauma goes yeah. up uh, as people uh, start to travel. And again, and now that like we that. are coming Sometimes. out of the pandemic, we're seeing even more so. That's at a more of a I guess I'd call it a hyper level because everybody wants to get out, wants to travel, wants to do things. The normal routines like giving blood yeah. go by the wayside. Uh, so again, this is a nationwide blood shortage, not just in our area, yes. but we are certainly not immune. There are a handful of uh, blood drives coming up in Findlay, and there are more in the area, but in Findlay specifically next Wednesday at First Presbyterian Church, uh, and then uh, the Friday of next week at the uh, KFC and uh, Wednesday of the following week, uh, June 30th, at the uh, YMCA. Now, to go along with that, uh, you mentioned you do uh, blood drives at companies. Mm-hmm. You're looking for places that were, are willing to host for those big community drives. Very much so. Yes. If someone, let's get the uh, brass tacks in there. Okay. If someone, first of all, n- wants to sign up for a, uh, a driver, really yep. uh, need to make an appointment, right? Need to make an appointment, and it, that is, we've made that very easy to do. Uh, redcrossblood.org online. Call us at 800-RED-CROSS. We have our free Red Cross blood donor app. We've talked before how, what a great app that is where you even get to watch your blood from the day you give it to the day it arrives at the hospital cool. and starts saving lives. And we have an Alexa skill. You can enable the blood donor skill on Alexa, and then all you're going to do is say, uh, and I apologize if I set anybody's Alexa off, but <laughs> Alexa, make me an appointment make to donate appointment. blood. There and you go. There you go. So, so. We, we've made it as easy as possible to give blood. And for those who are willing to step up and say, my business, my organization uh, can host a drive, Uh, what's the process there? You you just call me and I'll put you in touch with the right. We'll talk and we'll get you connected with our folks in the biomedical services. Uh, So you can just reach out to me directly. My email is todd.james at redcross.org or call our office 419-422-9322 and and we can talk that over with you. Uh, And of course, for, you know, we're fortunately able to offer uh, thank you incentives to our donors. A lot of the time, t-shirts, we'll have some special t-shirts coming up over the 4th the July holiday right now uh, through the end of the month. Everybody who goes to give blood is going to get a $5 Amazon gift card. Awesome. Um, you know, at some of the drives, we have uh, Cedar Fair, Cedar Point tickets to give away. Just had one of those drives at Stonebridge yesterday. Mm-hmm. Folks were getting uh, uh, Cedar Point tickets uh, for coming in to give blood. So that's just, that. yeah, it's just an added way to uh, say thank you for saving lives. We've got the link up on our webpage uh, to the uh, Red Cross Blood Services uh, website so you can find uh, blood drives in your neighborhood and again uh, todd james the north central ohio chapter of the american red cross thanks very much for dropping by hey thank you You know, we've spoken on a number of occasions with the folks uh, with E2, that's Environmental Entrepreneurs, a bipartisan national organization of more than 10,000 business leaders who advocate for policies that benefit both our economy and our environment. Uh, Talking about opportunities that exist in clean energy fields, but where do those opportunities currently exist? Uh, Last month, E2 released its sixth annual Clean Jobs America report. The numbers broken down not only nationally and by state, but also by region within states, including Ohio. Joining us is Rick Stockberger, president and CEO of Bright Energy Innovators in Warren uh, in Northeast Ohio. 
And uh, Rick, first of all, talk a little bit about uh, your business. What is it that you do at Bright Energy Innovators? Yeah, Chris, thanks for asking. So uh, we are the only energy-focused incubator in the state of Ohio. So we actually work statewide with people that are creating new technologies in the energy space uh, and helping them get to market, frankly, to create jobs and uh, bring forth what the, the future is looking like. So E2 is is quick to point out that there is an opportunity for the industry itself here, uh, given the number of jobs that disappeared because of the pandemic, uh, a fair amount of jo- of those jobs may or may not be coming back. So you actually see this as an op- uh, opportunity for your industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, in the report, one thing that I saw that was really interesting uh, is actually about 15% of the uh, clean energy workforce is actually from rural areas. And I thought that was very cool, very interesting. Being mm. from a rural area myself uh, and, and, you know, running my farm all tractor on the weekends and all that, uh, understanding and looking at kind of where some of these jobs are being created is, is really interesting and it's really, really uh, fun to kind of be a part of. But there is also a flip side uh, to that, given what we are seeing right now, this worker shortage that just about every industry is struggling with. How much does that concern you uh, about your industry? The opportunities are there, but only if you can find people to fill those jobs. And for an industry that is still, uh, let's face it, in the early stages of going mainstream, uh, could it be uh, hampered or stymied by the inability to grow and expand for lack of workers? Yeah, well, interestingly enough, uh, wages in the clean energy space are about 25% higher than the average uh, median wage. Uh, So, you know, as far as that, you know, we're looking at uh, $25, $30 an hour, uh, in, in many cases from that. Beyond that, what we're actually, we're also seeing here on the ground is, uh, relationships growing between, uh, education and, and entities, such as, uh, Youngstown State University working with a community college on making sure that people are being trained in, in these jobs as a future. And so there's real investment that's going on right now, both in the training side, um, but also making sure that folks are getting paid a fair wage and they want to go out and work. And with respect to the opportunities that are opening up to possibly replace jobs that aren't coming back, this is something we were talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago with respect to this industry. There is a lot of of translation for, for example, the skilled trades, uh, individuals who have worked in other industries to transition fairly seamlessly uh, into many of the opportunities opportunities that we're talking about here within the clean energy industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, electricians right now are at sure. premium uh, in this space. Absolutely. And so if you have any kind of a electrical background uh, right now, you, you know, the wages are extremely high and they're, they're really trying to, uh, you know, grab you up uh, for those types of opportunities. You know, the other thing that I, I think is really, really interesting overall, and, um, you know, from my military background is just looking at, you know, what the future of, of these jobs kind of look like. But, you know, when I was doing uh, patrol work in Afga- northern Afghanistan, um, you know, most of the most of what we saw was actually fuel convoys that were getting hit. And so thinking that we have this large, uh, large thing in, in the sky uh, that could, you know, be powering our equipment hmm. as opposed to dragging fuel around and having and uh, getting shot up that way. It really could change the future of how we fight. Uh, and so not only domestically do I think it, it's really, really important to kind of look at this clean energy opportunity as a job creator, but 
also from a military aspect. It's an interesting uh, perspective there as well for uh, folks to consider. Uh, we referenced the uh, sixth annual Clean Jobs America report. Uh, E2 released that last month, and it is broken down not just uh, nationally by state, but also by region. So w- in what regions of Ohio, I mean, kind of bottom line this here, in what regions of Ohio do we see the greatest presence and growth uh, of this industry? Yeah, well, in most spaces, um, you know, we actually lost jobs for the first time last year in 2020. Um, but I know about 4% uh, in your Toledo, Northwest Ohio uh, area, mm-hmm. um, it's about 4% uh, of all jobs there are in the clean energy space. And we're going to see a lot of growth there, uh, specifically as homes are being built and those HVAC systems are being updated. Uh, that's a huge aspect of this is really the energy efficiency uh, part of clean energy. And, you know, how do we how do we reduce our our costs uh, on electricity? And so the HVAC space is something that is growing very, very quickly. Um, we see here in the Mahoning Valley a lot of opportunities in clean energy manufacturing specifically. Um, and then there's R&D uh, happening. And a lot of that, thanks to the previous administration, uh, you know, President Trump really put billions of dollars into energy storage research. Uh, which has, you know, really been catalytic uh, to looking at the future electric vehicle transportation space. It's interesting you bring up that investment because that is one of the things that kind of flew under the radar. Didn't get a whole lot of uh, publicity uh, in terms of the overall uh, energy uh, structure and that all the above uh, energy strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Ohio is extremely blessed. Uh, you know, why we've been so important historically in manufacturing and Honestly, Chris, we, we built the free world here and we did it with cars and we did it with steel. So I think we can do that again, Chris, and I think we can do that in future-facing jobs and future-facing technologies to bring everybody together. Talking about how uh, clean energy fits into the overall economic picture of uh, not just the United States, but Ohio uh, in particular. Again, Rick Stockberger is president and CEO of uh, Bright Energy Innovators in in Warren in Northeast Ohio, uh, talking about the sixth annual Clean Jobs America report from environmental entrepreneurs, which we will link up at our webpage if folks want to kind of dive into the numbers there. Rick, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, I appreciate you having me, Chris. Have a great rest of your week. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Ever had one of those days when it seems like you can't catch a break? No matter what you do, you just can't catch a break. We've all had those days Uh, Even drug dealers have those days from time to time. In New York City, a a dealer allegedly threw a garbage bag full of marijuana off a roof to keep it out of the hands of people who were trying to rob him, only to have the pedestrians blow, snatch it, and run. (laughs) There is video of this uh, published by the NYPD and obtained by the New York Daily News. Shows the bag landing on the sidewalk just before three people scoop it up and take off. The dealer, gentleman by the name of Lishing Ji, age 29, apparently set up a meeting with two men on the rooftop of a three-story building, which that's kind of a dumb thing to do. Why, if you're if you're setting up a, a drug buy with someone, you don't want it somewhere where they could uh, throw you off of something high. You know what I mean? That's doesn't seem too bright. But anyway, 
Uh, He had planned to sell 19 pounds of weed for $20,000, but the buyers suddenly pulled a gun. Surprise, surprise. And then they attacked him, uh, trying to grab the bag, trying to steal it from him. They didn't want to pay. There's no honor among thieves. That's when he hurled it from the rooftop, raining weed on the sidewalk below. The robbers did indeed flee after that, but one of them, uh, age uh, 31, Ricardo Diaz, fell down a flight of stairs, hurting his knee, and that allowed cops to arrest him at uh, the scene. His his partner uh, did get away and remains at large. Uh, Mr. Diaz faces charges of robbery, attempted robbery, assault, weapons possession, etc., 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 Uh, Mr. G, after being taken by medics to a nearby hospital since he suffered cuts and bruises in the attack, was also arrested on drug possession charges after police uh, found more drugs in his possession in addition to that which he threw off the roof, allegedly. Uh, Both um, uh, have been uh, released uh, from custody on bail. Cops still looking for the other accomplice who escaped in a black BMW sedan. Just not a good day for anyone involved. <laughs> it just did not go well. Some days, you just can't catch a break. Now, this is kind of a crazy story out of uh, Tennessee. And I'm not sure exactly where in Tennessee. Oh, Nashville, it says. There you go, Nashville. Police say a man is in custody, accused first of killing his girlfriend. But what makes this story part of the broken news is the fact that he tried to sell the car containing her body. <laughs> what? Something, sometimes you just have to end up shaking your head. Robert Johnson allegedly tried to sell the Dodge Charger that was later found to contain the remains of one Pamela Paz. Uh, police say Mr. Johnson's provided alibi for the uh, time of the murder was proven false a witness also spotted him trying to sell the vehicle he has been charged with a homicide and other counts and so on again where do you get the brilliant idea i'll just sell the car that i stuffed her in man i mean we don't like to laugh when people die but some things are just so stupid Uh, let's see. Sometimes the simplest of violations turns up a jackpot for police. In Suffolk County, Long Island, New York, police pulled over Gilbert Contres recently. Uh, this is actually in Amityville, New York, famous town. Uh, Gilbert uh, Cantrez was pulled over for failing to use his turn signal properly. Something very simple. When police ran his driver's license, they found that he had been behind the wheel with 99 suspensions of said license. 99 suspensions. He was arrested and charged with aggravated, unlicensed operation of a motor vehicle in the first degree. (laughs) You talk about a bad day, all because he didn't use his blinker. Let that be a lesson to you. Sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the broken news in Cleveland. Um, And this is a uh, woman by the name of Sharice Cleveland. 
uh, age 44, facing charges after an incident Monday morning. Um, part of which was uh, caught on camera shows Ms. Cleveland yelling at a McDonald's worker after they apparently wouldn't mix flavors, uh, mix two flavors of a slushy drink together for her. She wanted a slushy, but she wanted a combination, a mix of two flavors, and they said, no, we can't do that. She is in, uh, seen engaging in a physical struggle with an employee, uh, including ripping the face mask off of one of the workers. She then takes an empty cup from the worker's hand, fills it with an ice, uh, fills it with ice at a drink station, then returns to the counter and confronts the employee a second time. A brawl then breaks out, and the employee can be seen grabbing Ms. Cleveland's hair and screaming. The video ends with police arriving and placing Ms. Cleveland in handcuffs. She is now facing two misdemeanor assault charges, and her explanation, she said, sorry, I've been up all day. So she was just tired. <laughs> well, I've had those days, too. I'm a little on edge. I haven't had enough sleep. A little grumpy. I get it. And finally, <laughs> the broken news this morning. With the 4th of July coming, let this be a cautionary tale that not only should you leave the fireworks displays to the professionals, but you probably should you leave the fireworks manufacturing to the professionals as well. Police in North Troy, Vermont, say a man was injured while he was making fireworks. Police say Wayne LePage, age 40, was making fireworks in a camper behind his home when the explosion happened. <laughs> Uh, what a surprise. There was an explosion involved. Uh, they, uh, when they were called to the scene, uh, they f uh, found a man with burns on his upper body. He was rushed to a local hospital. No one else was injured. Nearby residents had to be evacuated as a precaution, and the Va Vermont State Police Bomb Squad had to be called in. Don't. This is not a DIY project. Just a uh, heads up there. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile app for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330. WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news. The statistics that shape our lives. It turns out that workers in the U.S. are some of the most stressed employees in the world, this according to Gallup's latest State, uh, State of the Global Workplace Report, which captures how people are feeling about work and life in general over the past year. And this year has been particularly crazy. Now, it should be noted, U.S. and Canadian workers' survey data are combined in Gallup's research. Uh, but together, they ranked highest for daily stress levels of all the groups in the survey, some 57% of U.S. and Canadian workers overall report feeling stress on a daily basis. That is up by eight percentage points from the year prior. 
and compared with 43% of people who feel that way globally. So it is quite a bit higher in the U.S. and Canada, according to Gallup's report for 2021. The spike is not surprising to Gallup's chief workplace scientist, Jim Harder, who says that rates of daily stress, worry, sadness, and anger have all been trending upward for American workers since 2009. So this is not anything new. Concerns over the virus, sickness, financial insecurity, and racial trauma uh, were the biggest contributors to stress uh, during the course of the past year, according to the survey. Now, what is really interesting, kind of expanding on this further, a new RandCorp survey finds nearly one in four teachers in the U.S. say they may leave their job by the end of the school year because of stress. Now, this is an unrelated survey, but it uh, kind of piggybacks on this. Public school teachers in the U.S. who took the survey back in January and February said that they were twice as likely to experience job-related stress than the general employed adult population. So U.S. and Canadian workers, the most stressed in the world and the most stressed among all workers, appear to be teachers. They're about three times as likely to experience symptoms of depression as the general adult population. And further polling indicates that many people in the U.S. say their stress has increased as a result of COVID-19. No big surprise, this huge increase for U.S. educators in particular appears to be forcing some to rethink their current jobs. And you know, we had a teacher shortage. There's a shortage in a lot of professions, but particularly in the education sector, there's a shortage of public school teachers already. If you're talking about nearly one in four saying that they're considering quitting the career entirely, that could push that to crisis levels. One more event back for 2021 that was canceled last year due to the pandemic. The Electronic Entertainment Expo, or E3, the largest event in gaming, back in the game again. Cindy Walker is with us. She is director for the Xbox platform and console marketing, Microsoft. Uh, Cindy, the E3 wrapping up, of course, earlier this week. Not fully back yet. It was a virtual experience this year, not an in-person uh, expo, as uh, is usually the case. But I, I would have to think it was good to get back up and running, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, this is a week that gamers in, you know, look forward to all year round. It's kind of like our Christmas in, <laughs> uh, in the summertime. And missing it, you know, last year, everyone kind of doing their own thing. Uh, it just wasn't quite the same. So this year felt, this opportunity felt like a good lead in to what will hopefully, you know, go back to an in-person event next year. But, uh, you know, Xbox was still really honored to kind of kick everything off uh, on Sunday with our Xbox and Bethesda Games Showcase. And and really, would, would you call 2020 something of a, a watershed moment for the industry? I mean, gaming was... All, I, already incredibly popular, obviously, but even more people discovered gaming and what is possible in the gaming universe during the pandemic. So in hindsight, it was some great exposure for the industry, making 2021's E3 a, a great launching platform for you know what comes next. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're, you're really right. Uh, I think, you know, 2020 was so difficult in so many ways. And what really, you know, it offered us a chance to highlight how gaming really does bring people together. It's different than a lot of other forms of entertainment where you're actually able to interact with people while you're playing games together. So it's a social connector um, with things that people have in common and that they love while also being, you know, very entertaining, beautiful, you know, form of art. So uh, you're right. Gaming had a, a kind of a boon year mm-hmm. uh, at an opportunity space where we were really able to grow it as an entertainment source, uh, not just as something that people who like to play games. Enjoy. Yeah. So seizing on that opportunity, then tell us what was new at E3 this year. Kind of give us an overview. Yeah, so Xbox and Bethesda together on Sunday, we showed um, 30 games, and they ranged from AAA blockbusters down to, you know, indie masterpieces, wide variety and diversity of of types of titles and games to play. 27 of those 30 are going to be, you know, uh, playable with our Xbox Game Pass subscription, which is a subscription service that provides over 100 games for a monthly price uh, that ranges from, you know, previously released titles to Xbox Game Studios titles that show up there, you know, day and date. So we showed 27 games that are going to be part of Xbox Game Pass now or in the future, uh, really just adding to opportunity to play those games to more with more gamers across PC um, console and mobile devices. Um, games like Halo Infinite, which is coming later this holiday, it's our 20-year anniversary of Halo alongside Xbox this year. Um, Forza Horizon 5 is going to be a showcase title for our new consoles that we launched back in November, Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. That one's set in Mexico this year. Um, and then we just also announced a really fun collaboration with Disney bringing uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean IP uh, called the Pirates Life Expansion Pack to Sea of Thieves. That's coming on June 22nd. And that was just, that's just a small, you know, small example of all the things that we talked about just a, on stage on Sunday. Just a handful of uh, things. So can I give us the uh, inside scoop about what may be next on down the line? I mean, it's, it's we're just wrapping up this year's E3 uh, and already looking forward, but you're always looking forward in this industry. Uh, what is, is next on down the line? Yes, as you as you well know, gaming you know games take a while to develop. So we you know start to talk about them and what's coming in the future. You know, kind of early on the early side, maybe more so than movies. Yeah, uh, we announced a new IP from our partners at Bethesda called Starfield. It was going to be a new RPG from Todd Howard studio and that is coming uh, November eleventh, twenty twenty two. It already has a date. Very exciting. Um, and really just our intent to bring more games to more gamers in more places. So, you know, a lot of the games that we showed on stage are also playable on mobile devices through the, um, through the cloud. And we're also looking to expand what we're doing on PC with our um, Age of Empires uh, franchise with the newest um, uh, franchise title there, Age of Empires 4, which comes in October. So there's a lot of expansion outside of just your traditional uh, kind of console games, although those are still very important to us as well, particularly with our new consoles uh, that are you know kind of ramping up this year. So it, there's that to uh, look forward to as well. We can get into uh, all of that uh, as well. So a lot of things going on. Now, of course, E3 is more than just 
uh, just an Xbox uh, event. Let me ask you this, kind of put you on the spot okay. a little bit here. Uh, as a watcher of the industry as a whole, what was the the most exciting or the most uh, head-turning uh, part of E3 outside of what you did specifically at Xbox? Well, that's a tough one because I honestly think we kind of we kind of knocked it out of the park this year. <laughs> a lot of the games that I'm most excited about are were on our stage. In all honesty, um, and we I do think though that what one of the things I thought was kind of fun was actually before the uh, right right after the the uh, you know E3 kind of kicked off, mm-hmm. there was a show called Summer Game Fest that uh, showcased a lot of games across different platforms that wasn't necessarily from any particular publishers. And we showed a game, they showed a game called Elden Ring from Bandai Namco. Uh, that one is going to be very exciting to see continue to develop. Um, I, we got to see that game a couple of years ago that was being uh, pulled together. And I think that one's going to bring a really unique perspective from uh, from software. And that one's, uh, I think it got a, a January 2022 uh, launch date. So I'm excited about that. All right. So uh, something else to uh, look for there. Again, Cindy Walker with us. She is director for the Xbox platform and console marketing. And Cindy, thanks very much for the uh, insight, uh, the insider scoop from uh, E3 this year. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Chris. I enjoyed it. And that finishes up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net is where you find us online. You can also connect with us on social media, contact us directly via email, sign up for our daily email newsletter. More on all of that, goodmornings.net. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.